podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Wolves Weekly. With Mikey Burrows. Featuring the biggest names from past and present. All the teams, all the talking points. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. Welcome to another Wolves Weekly. This week, I'm joined by the Wolves women manager, Dan McNamara, and the former Wolves defender, Lee Naylor. We'll also hear from Dave Edwards as he previews his upcoming testimonial match featuring some Wolves legends. First on the agenda, the men's first team's defeat at Newcastle at the weekend. Here's the thoughts of Lee Naylor. I thought Newcastle were a better team, if I'm honest. I thought they had they had the better chances. You know, when you go to a, a club like Newcastle and you go to their ground and you play against them, you have to play, you know, you have to play a bit tight. And I think we were too open. And I think that, that sort of set the tone. It was back and forth. It was back and forth. Yeah, we had, we had a few bits. There were a few decisions that didn't go our way. But if you sim- a simple reflection, I thought we didn't deserve to win. Because the frustration, isn't it, is that you, when you get back level in a game like that, with the amount of time that was left, you think kind of, and Tomo says all the time, doesn't he? Right, now you've got a point, you don't lose that point. Yeah, well, you, well that's, that's, especially at a place like, like Newcastle, I can't explain to you how, how much of a cauldron it is for them. Like, it reminds me a bit of Celtic Park when I went up there. Like, we just didn't lose. And it's very difficult to, for teams to come, to go to Newcastle and get results, especially now with how they're playing and the football they're playing and the management they're under. You have to be at the top of your game to get a result there. And when we got back to 1-1, I thought, OK, now protect it. But we just we, we just seemed to be a bit drunk out. It, it was interesting because I thought, watching the game, you know, it, it sounds like a silly thing to say, but almost the substitutions, they were made and the game, the goal came too quick after the substitutions. If that makes sense, you know we, we we scored and got back in the game, but the subs have been on to try and get that goal to get back us in the game. So I, I wonder if the goal. I know it sounds really weird, but the goal came too early into the substitutions. Um, if that makes sense, uh, and I, you know, if, we'd, if ten minutes had gone by and we'd have got the goal, then we might have sat back in and protected it. But I think they'll, they'll just be a little bit disappointed with that second goal. Of, you know, it's just switched off and. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tough one to take in the end, but you can't argue with what Nail said. They were the better team overall, but when you do get back in the game with 15 minutes to go, you you think, can you just see it out? Can you be a little bit better structurally and, 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 and get something from the game? There's a really interesting element, Nails, isn't there, about the substitutions? Because, look, I've been very vocal. I think Julian Lopetegui has done a, a remarkable job in the short time he's been there. And one of the biggest things about the job he does is seemingly the way he reads games and changes within those games. But in in praising him, you kind of almost have to sometimes admit that sometimes it doesn't work. And maybe the question mark from a lot of fans was was going to five at the back at the time they did at Newcastle, whether that allowed Newcastle to come at them again, I don't know whether that's a harsh like, criticism or not. No, I just think I just think when you when the result don't go your way, you look at things, you, you start to nitpick at or oh, this, that, or what have you. If we if we if we go back go to about five and we go on and see the game out, then it's a different story. Do you know what I mean? 
it, it's it's one of them where I just think that he does see the game well. He does read the game well. He reads situations. Sometimes you're just going to get it wrong. You just got, you just, sometimes you just got to hold your hand up and say, you know what, I got that wrong. But what you can see with him is that he tends to spot them more often than not. When it's time to make a decision of bringing someone off and putting someone on to make a difference, whether it's to defend better, whether it's to, to, to go and attack, whether to create chances, more often than not, he's, he's, you know, he's come up with the goods. Is this the thing, Dan, right? And I'm really interested from a coach's perspective because he will quite often make a change at half-time. You know, a lot of managers would wait until the hour mark or 70-minute mark or even later. General Lopetegui is like, I've seen it. I don't think it's working. I'm changing right away. We almost come to expect it now. Yeah, no, no. And that's what uh, that's what obviously stands him above the rest. I mean, he's fantastic. He, he really is fantastic. And, you know, as, as Nails has said, he's not always going to get it right. But um, I think he's proven over the last three months that he's going to get more right than he gets wrong. Um, he's been brilliant. I think the, the big one was the, the home game against Spurs. You know, again, half-time, you know, he t- makes two or three big changes and next thing you know, it, it completely changes the dynamic of the game. So, no, he, he's fantastic. And, you know, I, I try and get round every every opportunity I can to have a look out the window and see if he can pick up any hints and tips off him and his staff because it's remarkable what he's doing at the minute. Um, Lee, let's get to it. You half-mentioned it. It's the thing that everybody's going to have been screaming, saying, come on, let's talk about it. The Raul Jimenez penalty that wasn't. What's your view, first of all? Because you know Tomo and I are part more partisan than most, and you're often the I would say the words of wisdom, but I'm not sure that's probably yeah, the right thing to come from you. But go on. I was to be fair, I was with Big Matty, and uh I was with Big Matty yesterday. He said he didn't feel it like it was a penalty. Uh and I was like I was more so it was than it wasn't, but I was still on the line a bit. Like I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think it was a stone waller like people are saying. I it's, but I just, it is tough. I'm not. It's hard to make a decision. <laughs> Dan, you think it was, don't you? I do, and I think the the reason I think it it was because the, the consistency within the game. You know, it, it's just, I think that's what frustrates people the most, isn't it? You know, I, I read, I don't know how true it was, but did the Howard, Howard Webb wants us to continue with the on-game, on-field decisions more often than not. And that was potentially played a little bit into yesterday, but it's a consistency piece for me. Like, it, it, we've seen fouls like that given. I think Nick Pope even thought it was, a. he looked worried. Do you know what I mean? There was, there was contact there. And for me, that that's that's a penalty. If I, if that's Thursday night, I, I'm I'm going mental. If that's not a penalty, <laughs> he's throwing the hat in the kitchen. He's throwing all sorts in. This is the thing, all right. Now, so like uh, I, I was saying to Dan just before we started recording, like, and I've posted this on social media today. I've I've said this before, and I will keep banging the drum for it. That we need to hear what the officials are saying to each other because until we do that, and in cricket you can hear it, in rugby you can hear it, for some reason football won't, but you can't understand why they've made a decision unless you hear what that conversation is because that conversation determines what VAR can look at. No, absolutely. I mean, especially with VAR as well. I mean, they've they've got eyes everywhere now. You've got video evidence everywhere, so there's no escaping. So... 
if you go and buy the rules, it's a pen. But if my football decision saying it's not. Explain that. Go on. Well, there's there's certain things you can you, that you your movement, the way you the way you act, the way you go down if someone touches you, just so many things that you do in football that uh, that become a habit. I think it's it's one of them where it's if he's on my team, I'm all day <laughs> pen pen up, no question, not even thinking about anything else. But seeing it seeing it there as as I've got to, I, I can't give a pen. It's not worth a pen. Does context play a part, Dan? Uh, if uh, I, I don't know whether it should or not, and that's why I'm asking the question because you talk to referees. In that, if if I'm looking at that from the outside, I'm going. Raúl Jiménez has not scored a Premier League goal in a year, and he's got a chance for a potentially open goal. So, I, I, and clearly the referee doesn't think he's throwing himself to the floor. So, what's happened? What's the context of the scenario? Does that ever play a part from your conversation with referees? I think it does. Yeah, it's the surroundings, the the moment of the game, all these different things. They'll say they don't, but they do, don't they? They they do play a, a part in it. You know, it's. I said to you earlier on, Mikey, if if that's Mo Salah, if, if that's Bruno Fernandez, you know, if that's uh, Gabriel Jesus at Arsenal, I think it's a penalty. So it, yeah, I think look, it, it's if that's at Molyneux. With 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 thirty two thousand avid wolves fans, it's a more yeah. than pen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That, yeah. So so the context is 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 absolutely everything. Because the thing is now is that it just adds, doesn't it, to a list of perceived injustices that it is hard to kind of shy away from. And and one of the things going back said, to the Liverpool, are you going to go back to the Liverpool game? Well, the, the, just. <laughs> But the point the point I'd make, and this is not just this season, it's a lot of time and things, but it seems to have been highlighted more in the last two, three months than anything else, that Wolves do not seem to get the initial decision. And if you get the initial decision, obviously it changes the parameters for VAR to potentially overturn. So like in cricket, you need umpires call to get certain decisions. It just feels like, like the Forest penalty in the League Cup that wasn't given. And like that one at Newcastle, if the instinctive decision of the referee is to say penalty, then VAR is not going to overturn that. But those decisions have not got Wolves' way. And and it's hard, I think, for fans to look at it and go, well, we've now got quite a few, three or four, yeah. that haven't gone yeah, Wolves' way. That's, that's what I mean. It'd be interesting to see that how many decisions have gone for us and how many decisions have gone against in terms of penalties, in terms of Gone to VAR, not gone to VAR. Should have went to VAR when when the referees made a mistake. I don't know. It's 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 tough because it seems to be happening a lot down at the walls at the minute. But is that a thing about um, Dan that it balances itself out? This is what people always say, right? That it, it's a perception that we feel like we've been hard done by. But actually, if we're honest with ourselves, there have been games where we've maybe got away with things and therefore it does balance itself out. We just don't feel like it does. Yeah, potentially. I think if it does balance itself out, though, we've got some great decisions coming our way in the next eight to ten games. (laughs) (laughs) We need need them. We need them. Wolves women had an impressive 4-1 win against Fylde this weekend, getting back to winning ways after being beaten by Watford in the League Cup the week previous. Here's Dan McNamara's thoughts. 
Yeah, no, it was they were fantastic. It's not a particularly easy place to go, filed. It's always a difficult trip up there, difficult conditions. So, and it's somewhere we've not had a lot of success over the last few years. I think I think we haven't we haven't beaten them in the league. Never mind away from home in the last three years. So, really professional performance from the girls. Uh, they're in a tough moment, filed, and I felt like we capitalised on that, and, and we we got a really important three points because we we all know we're trying to keep uh, keep up with the with the forests and the and the Burnleys who are, are threatening to to get away with it this year. Have you? <laughs> I asked this question, the fact that I know you pretty well. I've known you for a long time. Are you suffering this year because you've set your own high standards? And therefore, despite the fact in any other season, in any other football club, what you are doing would be ranked as being really successful. But because you went out of a cup competition and because you're not top of the table, you feel a little bit down about it. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, uh, Mikey. I think we're, we're probably a victim of our own success. You know, nobody ever dreamt of what happened last year. Um, and, and we had a real reflection moment, literally 10 days ago in training, where as I said to the girls, look, we're, we're all flat and we seem a little bit disappointed with the season, but we, we've done better in the FA Cup. We got to the fourth round and, and created a great memory against West Ham. We've done better in the League Cup and we went out to Watford, but we got to the semi-final. We're in the semi-final of the County Cup, which we're still very much in control of winning and we're two points off the top in, in a league which is so much more difficult last year because of the investment through Forest and Burnley so overall it's actually a fantastic season for for a club who've only been in, in this division for less than 18 months um, so I think it's a bit of a reality check for me and the girls just to, to put it into perspective of we're achieving week in week out when we're still staying in touch with the clubs who are miles ahead of us financially in this moment uh, which I think is fair to say and that and that's the thing isn't it that um, there are a lot of clubs who are investing heavily uh, at this level and uh, I've spoken to you about this before about you know the situation in terms of promotion and relegation from the championship um, there is a discussion there to be had because there is such an investment now and and you there are teams who are really pushing that it's going to get more and more difficult every year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think uh, you look at the Northern Division this year and as I've already said, Burnley and Forest are a complete different beast from last year. You know, the, the um, what they've put together in the package they're offering players over over the course of last summer was was remarkable for Tier 3. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of full-time players within both sets up, setups now. Um, so, you know, there's two clubs that are ready to go in the championship straight away. I think uh, added added to what we've done over the last few years, I think we're, you know, ready to, to go and give it a go and compete. Got that cruelly taken away from us last year. And that's just from the north. You look down the south and you've got Watford and Oxford and Ipswich and they're desperate to get into the championship. And they're, they're all household names. And I'm not saying that is something that that is a requirement. You know, there's teams up there in London City Lionesses who are doing it without the household name. But there's big teams now trying to get into that elite game. Uh, and I think you're right, there's discussions to be had and I'm hoping those discussions have already started um, because last year the same thing was discussed and we said it was a disgrace and everyone in the in, involved in the game said it was a disgrace but it's about time we had some change in it now. It, it needs to be win your league and be promoted and get the opportunity that you deserve. Should be pointed out though, in terms of um, yourself attracting players, it, there is, uh, I think, I'm not just blowing smoke to you that in the last couple of years, clearly the the reputation of Wolves has changed. And I think maybe a reputation within the game, because you look at a situation like someone like Amber Hughes, who is getting Premier League level medical care 
over the last couple of months that maybe other clubs can't offer. Yeah, no, listen, I, I can, I would never, the, the financial situation within Burnley and Forest is ridiculous for this level, but what, what most teams are struggling to compete with, with is the is our overall offer. You know, it is fantastic. And the club have done things in the right way. We've always been told little steps quickly or small steps quickly. Uh, and that's been st- stuck at. You know, we, we've seen the gradual improvements as the as the years have gone on. Um, and it's been fantastic. You've hit the nail on the head there. I think some within the tier three of the women's game is that medical cover. Uh, the club have been fantastic with not only Amber, Amber's had, you know, all the injections and everything to try and get her back on the pitch over the last few months. But the same with Tammy. We lost Tammy, who's a, a key key part of the way we work week in, week out. And she had a really a really bad snap of her, her arm just before Christmas. And I think within three weeks, she'd had a cast built for her and she was back on the pitch. And, and that kind of level of support that the club are, are currently offering, you know, and add, that, add to that to the facilities and the player care and, and everything else that they're doing for the women's section, you know, it, it really is fantastic what, what Wolves are doing. And it's, dare I say, it's the right way. It's creating something that's sustainable, which isn't just involved around money, which I think is the most important part. Um, you've got a couple of pretty big games coming up, starting on Thursday at the Hawthorns. Big derby. Yes, mate. Yeah, it's uh, not just one; it's two in four days. <laughs> I still, I always go back to the. Uh, I think the first thing a Wolves fan said to me when I took the job five years ago was, "You don't lose Black Country derbies," and that always sticks with me every time we approach one. Uh, I think you you know how um, intense this week's probably going to be. Uh, I think the words need to be minimal. We've got players within that dressing room who are all through and through. They love the club and they they understand what uh, what it's all about. We've also got a couple of new girls who probably experienced the the Black Country Derby for the first time on Thursday. And you know, I, I look I look back and I've asked you for a bit of history in regards to to, to teams and and how we've competed in in the the Hawthorns over the years. And hopefully, that's going to make up part of my team talk heading into into the Thursday evening's game. It's painful, isn't it? Uh, but there's there's pressure, right? And and I guess it's how people cope with pressure. And I was there for the Premier League Cup final for the under-23s, as was last season. And there were 5,500 people there for an under-21s game. You know, 2,000 Wolves fans made that journey to be there. I know, Dan, you're hoping as many fans, Wolves fans will be there on Thursday night because that's the kind of thing that, that players get excited about playing in front of, as much as the pressure it brings. Yeah, definitely. You know, we look at the home fixture. I think there was nine on a thousand people at the home fixture, uh, and and I think most of them were, were Wolves fans. Um, and I think we've been given permission to sell our own tickets for Thursday. I don't think Albion or Albion women have lost at the Hawthorns yet as a women's team. So so that'll be playing on their minds. I think there's a little bit of pressure on on them as well. You know, you don't want to invite your, your local black country neighbours across for a game and, and lose ultimately in front of your own fans. So, yeah, I think it's going to be intense. It's a game not to lose. You're not really bothered about the performance, but uh, we've got to think about two of them in four days and one of them being a semi-final. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> 
Now, there's a special event coming up, which you should mark for your calendar. Dave Edwards, contributor to Wolves Weekly and, of course, former Wolves player, is having a testimonial match at one of his other former clubs, another club associated strongly with him in Shrewsbury Town. It's Shrewsbury Town Legends against Wolverhampton Wanderers Legends. Dave Edwards, we understand, is set to play a half for each team. There are some brilliant players who've played for Wolves in the last decade, some who are still even playing professional football, who are going to be involved. And we caught up with Dave to give us an insight into what he's doing. A charity game raising money for the Little Rascals Foundation, which is a charity which helps children with disabilities and their families. It's something which um, I set up with my best friend six years ago now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. We, we've unfortunately had to move our, the site, it's an indoor soft play centre and our lease ended and our, our landlord didn't want to renew it. So we had to move sites. But with that, we lost our sensory room, which was a real important thing that the families in particular would, would get a lot of use out and be very beneficial. So we're in the process of fundraising for a new sensory room at the new premises. And, and this game will go a long way to that and also raise money for Shrewsbury Town Foundation and the money they raise will go to their disability provision as well. And Wolves Foundation are helping out as well. I'm hoping to auction off some, some kits for them. So they're the charities involved. It's going to be a game between Shrewsbury Town and Wolves players that I played with at both clubs. Sort of 17 years of my career were spent between the two clubs. So both sort of very close to me and obviously not too far away from each other geographically as well. So the game's going to be at the Shrewsbury Town Ground, Montgomery's Waters Meadow on the 26th of March. It's a 1.30 kickoff. It's all household names from the championship season. We got promoted and then roll into those Premier League years and then even some players from the Kenny Jacket era as well. So uh, we've got a squad of about 20 players, I think. So it's yeah, it's it's, it's going to be great, and it'd be a great day. It's, it doesn't cost a lot. I think it's ten pound for an adult. Kids go for a quid. Yeah, and you can buy your tickets at Shrewsbury Town website, or at the if you're if you're from Shrewsbury, you can buy them from the ground or at match days down there. So every money, every penny raised will go towards those charities. So yeah, make make sure you come down so, Sunday the twenty sixth of March. Because there's been an awful lot of planning got into this. I remember ages ago you were asking me for numbers of kind of former players and people that lost contact with down the years. Because I'm I'm really interested to see uh, what kind of the team is going to be. Because it's one of those situations where um, you know there's a lot of guys who are still in pretty good shape actually. So it might actually have been quite a good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm more worried for the Shrewsbury team, to be honest, because they're <laughs> telling me they're on average probably five to ten years older than the Wolves team and they played in League Two at the time. If I go from, I'll see if I can remember everyone here. So we've got Carl Ikemi, we've got Sam Ricketts, which is a real interesting one because the ex-Shrewsbury manager, so he's going to be playing the Wolves side, so he's from the Kenny Jack era. We've got Richard Stearman, who's still playing at Derby. Oh, wow. Um, Jody Craddock. Um, what have I said about George Delacobi? Matt Hill, Mickey Gray. I'm going to miss some people out here and they're going to get mad at me. But Stephen Ward, um, Matt Jarvis, Stephen Hunt, Dave Jones, Carl Henry, Jamie O'Hara, Sylvani Max Blake, Chrissy Walumu, um, Marlon Harewood, Leon Clark. And I'm missing, I'm sure I'm missing some midfielders here. They'll kill me. 
<laughs> but it's, 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 it's like all household names so it's it's brilliant housing is going to be picking the team so i'm trying to get someone in to do that for me i was going to say yeah. you don't you don't want midfielders because you want to be able to play yourself yeah i know i've had many seasons where i can't get in the start 11 we all start <laughs> to up at christmas i'll get in i say where can people get tickets if they want to come along so on the on the Shrewsbury Town website is the best place to get it. If you just follow their link for tickets and click on the home games and it's down there as Dave Edwards' charity match and stick with the process. It's a bit of a, a clunky process because Shrewsbury have a lot of big teams in League One now who will feel like they're away and they'll be trying to buy tickets in the home end. So you have to kind of set yourself up a, a supporters account just to make sure you're not trying to get in the wrong end. But for, obviously for this game, it doesn't matter, but you've still got to go through the same process, but you can sit wherever you want. I'm sure there's not going to be any too much walls rivalry in the game. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it would mean the world. I think with, with the players that are playing, I think it's important as many Wolves fans know about it because there's no Wolves game that weekend because it is an international weekend. So to get your football fix and it'd be great if we can get as many people there as possible because it's such it's two really good teams which are turning out and the chances of you seeing these lads playing again together is probably very, very slim. Get yourself down there. That's Dave Edwards on his upcoming testimonial match taking place on Sunday the 26th of March. If you can help and support, please do so. In a moment, we'll get a preview of the men's first team game against Leeds and we'll also talk about the under-18s and the under-21s and their latest matches after this. Do you want to get more active? Wolves Foundation, the club's official charity, runs an active through football project, which helps people of all ages to improve their physical fitness. Sessions are fun, friendly and have real positive results. To find out the range of activities on offer, contact Liam Turner at wolves.co.uk. Now, unusually this weekend, there was no game for the under-18s or the under-21s. Now, the under-21s arranged a behind-closed-doors friendly against Bournemouth on Monday afternoon. Lee Naylor was there to watch. Here's his thoughts. The game was a bit... It was going either way, I'll be honest, up until they made four substitutions in the second half. I think it might have been around the 60-minute mark. I'm not too sure. You could tell me better. Um, but when they made those four... four Four changes, they just came alive. Uh, literally, Bournemouth couldn't get out their half, and it was just an onslaught for thirty minutes. Nathan Thra- Fraser took his goal really well, got put through, um, and he was one on one, but he just slotted it um, past the keeper. Yeah, it was at sixty-one minutes. Uh, Coletta, Marquez, Tipton, and Francis Burrell all came yeah. on. Um, I think Oliver Tipton's had a, a really good season this year. I think he was well worthy of his new contract that he signed recently. Christian Marquez, we know, has got huge experience. Um, Akeem Francis Burrell is probably a name that's a little bit new to followers of the under-21s, not so much the under-18s. Um, he's yeah. an interesting player, right? Yeah. Um, boy has got... He's got everything in the locker, I'll be honest. Six two, six three, big, tall, strong, powerful, good feet. Looks very promising, I'll be honest. You see a lot of the under eighteens, actually. I know you go and watch quite a lot of the games. Yeah. Um how have they handled, do you think, the changes? We've not talked a huge amount of them on Wolves Weekly yet, but obviously, you know, James McPike taking over after Steve Davis made that step up and then got a different role. How how are they looking the eighteens? Yeah, I think you know, it's 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 a bit of an up and down one for them, I think. 
there's a lot of young boys coming to the fold and a lot of changes being made. They've, you know, it's been, especially that age group, they've been stopped starting but with COVID. They're, they're the ones that have been affected by COVID, I think, the most for the last two years of, of, of really coming up. So, yeah, I mean, it's been difficult for them. But, you know, they're putting some really good performances. I've, I've seen some really good performances from certain individuals. And I think, I think they're just putting, they need to get it together at the moment, just to put it together. You know, I, I can see them coming good. Is there under 18s had a one or draw? Everton in their last game, they take on Man City next yeah. up on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. yeah. Um, which, I mean, Man City at any level is a tough it's, old test. It's a right? tall order, yeah. They're top. They're, they're obviously top of the top. It's they they invest a lot of money in their young in in their youth at all ages. So you can you can literally tell where you're at really at that age by playing against Man City. If I was back at 16, 17, that's where I'd be judging myself on playing against the Man City. And I'm sure that that they'll be uh, putting that little bit more percentage into the game. Mark Robinson got in touch and asked about injuries to Alfie Pond. And Harvey Griffiths. Uh, I know Alfie Pond is back in training, um, which is good news. Another central defender uh, being available. Harvey Griffiths, a little bit longer out, but progressing well, we are told. So hopefully we will see him again soon. And obviously uh, plenty more games will be available to watch live and for free on Wolves TV. Right, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about uh, Leeds. Next up for the men's first team, um, Dan McNamara, these are uh, crucial games at this stage of a season whereby people like me in the media start spouting cliches like six pointers as if that's <laughs> actually a thing. Is it actually a thing? <laughs> no, it's still only worth three points on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> No, it just uh, highlights the the magnitude of the game, but I don't think uh, anyone associated with Wolves doesn't understand how big, you know, Saturday is. Uh, we we spoke a little bit before we came on, Mikey, about this this Premier League season this year is so strange from from twelve downwards. You know, it, you feel like you're getting away with a couple of wins, and the next thing you know, you you're three points away from the drop zone again. So. You know, we we just got to look after ourselves, and there's, there's another cliche in it. You got to look after your own game. It's the only only thing that you can control, and I think it starts on on Saturday. I think you know a win will stick them in the right direction, headed into another massive game the week after. Lee Naylor, how do they approach this against Leeds and a Leeds side who I guess are still finding their way under a new coach? Absolutely, I think at the end of the day, it's a must win. You you have to you have to go at the game, you have to have that mentality. There's no question about it. It's 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 a must win. It's a must three points for us. There's no other way of going into the game with any other attitude. But does that affect things? Because people approach things in like this in different ways, don't they? And if you if you put too much pressure on yourself, do you, does that change the way you play the game? Everyone's different. I think you just got to sit. You just got to sculpt out your players of who can deal with it, who can't. Then you talk to them in a certain way where where you're going to get the best out of them. It's so many, so many, um, so many play- different players with different mentalities on, on how you get the best out of your players. But that's up to the manager and that's how the manager's got to work. Um, 
but make no make no doubt that the manager will be out there to go to go and win the game. How he does it and how he talks to his players, that's he knows how his players tick. Well, he should do. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 difficult, but it's going to be difficult because they're they're in the same boat. Um, but we can't look at look can't look at any other way apart from going for the W. There are a number of selection issues that go around, and one of the things I have a lot of sympathy for Julian Lopetegui for at the moment, Dan, is that every time he he feels like he's got something settled, there's an injury or something happens that that forces a change, and and it's hard to get a level of consistency in terms of selection and and tactics when you're dealing with that kind of scenario. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, you, you want to try and find out your best eleven, and and those are the ones that you can you can rely on in, in these kind of games. But you know, I think Wolves over the last certainly the last few weeks they've got some big players back, haven't they? They've got some big players back on the pitch, and they're looking sharper week by week. So he's got a great a, a great squad. You know, now it's um, he's got great players to choose from. You know, the the bench. Uh, you know, dare I say, it, three four months ago was was looking really quite weak. And I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean it inexperience is probably a better word to use. Um, but now, you know, you've got your Adamas on the bench or, you know, before the injury, Costa or Raul and Neto. So he's got a good good squad of players to choose from now and I think they can all come. Fang is is another one. He, he's going to be full of confidence after after his goal at the weekend. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's looking good going into the weekend. I think he, he'll be confident he can, he can get that win. This is the thing right now is that uh, I talked about this last week with Dave Edwards and Claire Hakeman that because somebody asked a question about what uh, what do you personally feel is the best front three? And you talk about He Chan Wang coming back and getting a goal at Newcastle. Pedro Neto, I thought, had quite a good cameo. And again, he's now fit and adding to the options. Daniel Prudence. Hopefully, Pablo Sarabia might be available at some point. We know he had a heel injury. The reason he missed the Newcastle game, Mateus Cunha didn't even get on the field uh, at St James's Park. There's a lot of players there and a lot of different potential combinations. Adama Traore still in that mix as well. How do you go about selecting it? What is your three almost? Well, it depends who's available. Isn't it? It's for me. Um, I think I'd play Neto first off. I think I'd try and get more minutes into his into his legs. Then I'd bring on Adama for him. I'd 100% start Jimenez. It's just difficult who I'd start on the left. But I'm starting Neto on the right, by the way, just to let you know. Because <laughs> um, I think he can cause stroke. Stroke Is it? He, he normally plays left back. So I think he could cause him all sorts of problems. Whoever, who's going to play on the left? I like Poldance, but I just think... He's not. He's not producing at the minute. It's tough. I don't know who, who to play on the left. Who's fit? Who's not? Who's fit and who's not? <laughs> you need to tell me. Well, there's, there's still time to go before the weekend. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I, you feel like I, I've put you under undue pressure here. You're not actually picking the team, nails. That's no. I need that's to. Been a lot of Tegi's job, to. and he'll. Well, if if everyone was fit, I'd have Cunha on the left. Okay, explain. I just think he's a workhorse. And in those positions, you need workhorses. I don't think he's a striker, out-and-out striker, but I love his work rate. He's fast. He, he works hard for the team. 
and it creates chances. And I think in in a formation of what the manager is playing at the moment, he, I think he's brilliant in that position. I think that's his best position. We talked about the kind of pressure that players are going to be under, the the kind of atmosphere that's going to be expected, and that atmosphere is the key thing, right? That if if we can get Molyneux to a level that, like you talked about Newcastle earlier on, Nels that can be a real big difference because we know when that place is rocking, it can be the 12th man. I can't tell the fans enough that if you shout and ball loud enough, it's intimidating for the, for, the away, for the away team. Trust me. So please be loud, be loud as possible. Because when you go to these big teams uh, and especially in ones with the, you know, with the fans that are the loudest, that's their 12th man. They always say, your Celtics, your Rangers, your Newcastles. These places, Leeds is a difficult place to go to. You know, if we can make our, our home games loud, intimidating, hard to come to, hard to be nasty in their faces, it can be a country. Thanks for listening to the all-new Wolves Weekly from Wolves Radio. Don't forget to give us a follow at Wolves across social media. And all the very latest is at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app. Sports Social Podcast Network.